following are my highlights and takeaways from Robert Breedlove and Jordan Peterson's discussion. This is one of my favorite resources on Bitcoin and foundational life philosophy. Make sure you check out the original episode as these notes do not give the talk justice. Thank you, Robert and Jordan. The thoughts are a combination of direct quotes and paraphrasing on my behalf. You can get all my notes mentioned on this podcast in text form from the first link in the description. My name's Zach, and this is Educated by Bitcoin. Robert and Jordan start by talking about voluntary and involuntary games. The act of voluntary play in childhood is the precursor to the establishment of ethical societies. That's from Jean Piaget, a developmental psychologist, and uh, Jordan talks about his work a lot in the beginning of this episode. The whole point of looking at childhood play is because there are voluntary games, because these are voluntary games in the most simple form, and this then can be extrapolated to more complex games, into adulthood, such as marriage, for example. This would mean marriage can be categorized as a game, which it is, as are most things in life. If you believe you aren't playing a game in that sense, then by definition, it would be a suboptimal game because it should be voluntary and self-maintaining without force. This would mean you are then doing something with a game-like nature to it. Imagine you have two identical games. One is made up of players by choice and the other is made up of players by force. Over any reasonable time frame, the game with the players that are choosing to play voluntarily will outperform the other game. You could conclude that voluntary play is equal to a more productive outcome then. This is because some of the energy in the involuntary game has gone to forcing the players to play instead of going towards productivity. And a reminder here about Bitcoin being voluntary and fiat being involuntary. In an optimal situation, Interactions need to be voluntary for all parties, otherwise this is a suboptimal situation. If you aren't voluntarily engaged in the games you are playing, then you don't have positive emotion working for you, let alone any genuine enthusiasm. Morality emerges from play. Remember, an optimal game is where both parties agree to the rules. The voluntary engaged game economically outcompetes the involuntary engaged game because of enforcement costs and motivation. If you take on a challenge voluntarily, you have an extreme different psychological response versus taking on a challenge that is forced upon you. Fiat is an involuntary game as its rules are forced onto its players and the rules can be changed from a centralized entity without permission from the players in the system. This is the corruption of money. You can think of government mandates as pointing of the gun. Government money, which is fiat, is at least suboptimal at a minimum. This could be at the root cause of a lot of issues in our culture, as it is difficult to operate in a system that penalizes productive people, such as workers in the form of taxes and savers in the form of inflation, but then helps subsidize unproductive people and high time preference thinkers, as the Austrians would say, uh, which values spending, debt, and lack of work. The questions then posed, is there any use case for fiat among human relations? 
They go back to childhood play. Kids don't like when you change the rules of the game. Fear is a system that not only has to spend money on enforcement, but also makes us go crazy from changing the rules constantly. This essentially is referring to the printing of money uh, and the debasement of the currency. If you can't preserve the fruits of your labor across time, how can you establish a relationship that is predictable with the world and plan for the future? Fiat is suboptimal, period. Jordan and Robert both conclude that. In a Marxist ideology, relations between people are based on force, power, and compulsion. In capitalism, it does not have compulsion or force associated with it. It is purely mutual, a voluntary game. This essentially means that a safe conclusion is true capitalist systems are optimal games which will outcompete the suboptimal games, which would utter Marxist ideologies from force or compulsion. Think about how that all think about how all that information applies to Bitcoin versus fiat. That brings us to truth, which is an accurate portrayal of reality, the process of inquiry. Fiat substitutes that process of inquiry by saying that this is the answer, i.e. a point of a gun slash a government mandate. To order by fiat is to say by decree. Though you can force someone to use something uh, useful, such as governments forcing us to use fiat, they're forcing us to use money, essentially. But usually, you wouldn't have to force someone to use something that is really useful. This could mean that that is not useful enough. Though, there is another lens, which is yin and yang. Yin, you can think about it as markets, free markets, Uh, an ongoing process of inquiry satisfying human wants better faster cheaper and yang is the state model trying to impose certain knowledge structures there could be a balance between the two but it seems we are heavily weighted in the yang side of things currently this is an important point on free speech and truth you have the right to free speech so you have the opportunity to pursue truth think about that we have Free speech is important so we can pursue the truth. And Jordan says you should take that on as a responsibility. Fiat could work if we had the answers to everything and someone told us the rules to follow and we comply. But fiat doesn't work because the future is incomputably different from the past and the present. Hence why we pursue truth by way of freedom of speech. Because we have to contend with the future and adapt to what better suits the future. In summary, on that idea, if the state rules that fiat is the only option, how can freedom of speech be present in that system, which we know is a requirement to help us deal with the future? Pretty much, if the government said, here is a tool, fiat, use it if you want, but you don't have to, then that takes away most of the corruption because we the players of the game could adopt a better system in the pursuit of truth even more rendered down is uh, is the government doesn't allow the pursuit of truth in money i think that's an important point the government doesn't allow the pursuit of truth in money now moving on to the free market the market is a computational device the optimal way 
We can figure out reality and the future is by having nothing affecting the free market so it can give us accurate results of our actions. If you make a bad decision, you must deal with the consequences. This is not abled in state structures because there is always a get out of jail free card, which is money printing. And the players of the game, us, have to deal with the consequences of those actions, not the people in charge. We need, a, we need maximum signal, minimum noise. You can't add additional noise to Bitcoin's protocol. There is only signal. Fiat is mostly noise as inflation is a distortion of the market. Jordan then talks about, we perceive the world through a structure of value. We look at what is important. We calculate that by free choices of value in the market. The market shows you what is value. Inflation distort is a distortion of the market. And this is fiat introducing noise into an optimal system. We don't want anything to interfere with that structure of value. That is our perception itself is predicated on. Inflation penalizes people that are productive. Productive people can be known as cognitive ability, IQ, and conscientiousness, which is a personality trait. Why would we want a system that penalizes these people? Storing and creating value in society is important for societal progress and inflation penalizes the people that are best at doing that. A good definition of a high-functioning society can be as a good store of value, as well as allowing efficient accumulation of capital money. This is important for security and the thriving of a civilization. The people that are the pillars for a thriving civilization are conscientious people, and they are the ones that get penalized from inflation. Therefore, inflation is de-civilizing, as it is retracting a thriving civilization. They then move on to talk about how totalitarianism attack freedom of speech and new ideas. And they relate that back to what that's what the central bank does. And Robert then quotes, uh, Marx's Manifesto of the Communist Party, measure number five. Centralization of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with state capital and an exclusive monopoly. Words are a medium of exchange for intention and money is a medium of exchange, exchange for action. Total, totalitarianism corrupts as well as controls speech and money. To limit this from creeping in, using a technology that makes speech and money incorruptible, such as Bitcoin, could be a very worthy idea. Bitcoin is the foundational layer of freedom of speech, as you can build communication layers on top of it. In some respects, the public ledger is already a communication layer within the foundation layer also. They diverge quickly to social media and talk about the difference between uh, words and money is that words are a low-cost signal, but money, skin in the game, is a high-cost signal. The cost of being provocative on social media is zero. This does not match our real-world communication system. The cost of communication on social media needs to match the real world to some respect. Otherwise, the system is flawed and literally insane, as Jordan Peterson said. They then move on to talking about time. The Austrians concluded that time preference and morality are directly linked. If you corrupt money with inflation, for example, you are introducing immorality 
into the system. This is uh, debt accumul talking about a debt accumulation, gambling, and short-sightedness. And just a reminder, if no one knows, high time preference is equal to short-sightedness and low time preference is thinking about the future. And, and debt is the opposite of having a low time preference and fiat is debt-based money. A sustainable civilization should be constructed with a sound source of money that doesn't add noise to the signal of the free market, as discussed earlier. Imagine you go to a car dealership and you don't agree to the prices. You can go to their competitors instead, and this keeps the car dealership honest. We have never had another asset forcing honesty from the central bank, other than gold which is impractical with its obvious flaws. Bitcoin is an honesty function on state behavior and is also an exit function into property rights that are digital and can be moved anywhere in the world, keeping the state honest, just like us going to a different car dealership. Bitcoin truly moves society away from a dominance hierarchy to a competence hierarchy. Jordan asks Robert, what would happen if taxation is gone then? Robert's answer is mutual exchange to build infrastructure. This seems like a big ask, but only because we compare our current society, which is built on top of fiat money, a debt-based money. You don't need non-consensual exchange to solve a bigger problem. Let the free market decide. Bitcoin, by definition, stops the violation of property because of its inherent ability to be inviolable, which stops the only business model that the state has which is to steal from its citizens in the form of taxation and inflation. Lastly, they touch on the Philosopher's Stone, the ideal of an incorruptible substance, maybe an antidote to tyranny. We have always been searching for an incorruptible store of value. This is because work doesn't work without a store of value, and work is obviously important. A side note, but why would we adopt a system that hurts? the store of value. It's completely dumbfounding. But back to the notes, the first store of value is your reputation, which is your ethics and behavior. Then you look to store your value in the asset or currency with the best reputation. Money is a promise, a contract for the future. If you live in a culture where a default transaction is honesty, that is wealth and everyone is rich. Trust is the fundamental resource. And Bitcoin is absolute trust and transparency. That is where the value truly lies. I then touch on about Bitcoin uh, is a system that promotes truth and transparency. The prudent are at the top of the competence hierarchy, which may promote better values and behaviors across society. In contrast to a dominance hierarchy, which is what we have now to some extent, uh, where the most powerful people, such as political figures, support dubious behaviors and extract wealth from society the people that are supposed they are supposed to serve they're literally in the public service but they support uh, taking wealth away from them in return people who aspire to their wealth and the uh, public figure will try and imitate them which causes unethical behaviors across the whole hierarchy if you detach exploitation from success such as a movement to a competence hierarchy. This will encourage better values to imitate down the hierarchy. 
But for this to occur, you need a system of trust and transparency without corruption as an option. And the best system at the foundational layer we have currently is Bitcoin. It stops corruption, which is just one of our human natures that we want something for nothing. And that is all the notes for this podcast. What a great collaboration between Robert and Jordan. It's something we need to explore more in the Bitcoin community, uh, community about talking how philosophy connects with uh, Bitcoin. Uh, a reminder, all these notes are available from the first link in description. And thank you for listening.